Hey church, today's verse comes from the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace will they add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, so that you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. This is the word of the Lord. Right. Hello, everybody. Um, we had a chock full of uh, activities already here in our service. Um, I'm looking at that clock and I'm already a little nervous. <laughs> um, but uh, we'll try to get through this um, in a timely way. Um, our pastors, we actually had a discussion about um, our sermons and uh, keeping it to a certain length. So, um, We'll try to do that. We'll see how it goes. Keep us accountable, please. Um, let's get started. Uh, you know, <clears throat> I'm sure that everyone here uh, has had times, um, especially may maybe nowadays with all the stuff going on, where you had a choice or a decision and you just weren't sure which path to take. Uh, you know, we all have those kinds of experiences, and maybe you're going through one right now. Um, so today's topic is when you're um, faced with a decision, a choice, and you're not exactly sure which way to go, um, the topic, how can you seek God's wisdom in all of that and, and make a decision? Every day, you and I are making decisions. Some are easier than others, right? Some are pretty difficult. When it comes to making choices for our lives, we all want to make the right choices, right? Especially those that really directly impact us. So, uh, for example, uh, you know, maybe, especially here in Silicon Valley, I can't tell you how many times somebody comes to me with a prayer request and it goes something like, I have a new job offer and I'm not sure if I should take that or stay with this one or get, you know, get a raise uh, at my current place or, um, or should I just jump ship and go to the, the, other, uh, the, the other job? That's a common one. Um, another one, what school should I send my child to? And then, you know, it, it depends on like um, all these factors. Like if my, my son goes to this school, then it's going to affect and, and increase his probability to get to the next school, right? And then from there, grad school, and it just, you know, goes on and on. Um, probably the, the most frequent question, um, or at least the question that gets asked with the most passion is, how do I know she's the person I'm supposed to marry? He or she is a person that I'm supposed to marry. That's, that's a big one. So, you know, when we're faced with these very difficult, hard decisions, and it's not that clear cut, it requires discernment, right? We, we need to know, like, God, I, I don't even know how to think about this issue. And so we seek wisdom, right? We seek wisdom. And we seek wisdom in various ways, depending on who you talk to. There are a lot of different sources of wisdom that the world offers. So one source of wisdom that's available to guide us in our life decisions is the Bible. So that's what we're going to talk about, how to seek God's wisdom and his life-giving wisdom. This wisdom with which he designed and 
made the world, that wisdom and how we can then access that wisdom uh, for our own decisions, our own ways of our life. So trusting Yahweh for the right paths. Um, looking at our first section here in, in Proverbs chapter 3, it says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. So uh, longevity, and not just longevity, but quality of that longevity, right? The shalom, the peace, the wholeness, the prosperity of God will be added to you. And then it goes, uh, keep steadfast love, faithfulness around you, around your neck, bind them around you, write them on the tablet of your heart. Why? So that you will find favor, right? So that you will find favor and good success. Other translations say good repute. So uh, you have good success, favor in the sight of not only other people, but in the sight of God. So these are some really great things that um, God blesses us with when we follow his wisdom. Now, a little note here. So Proverbs was written uh, from the point of view of a father speaking to his son. And so we can tell from this passage alone, just these first few verses, that the father has a deep love for his son. He really wants his son to do well. It's a normal father, right? He desires his son to do well. Now, Proverbs, even though, you know, we, we can give our kids good advice, um, it's not like, you know, so Proverbs, it's, it's just giving these general principles. Proverbs is not some kind of, um, meant to be some kind of uh, legal document that's going to detail every single possible exception that could, you know, possibly happen. Um, it's not this wooden one-to-one law principle. Here, if you do this, you will get this. It's a general principle. And uh, probably the best example of that is Jesus himself, right? Jesus lived, if anyone did, right? Jesus lived, we know, perfectly according to the wisdom of Proverbs, yet did his life go long? No, he only, you know, lived till his early 30s. That's pretty young. Uh, It's not a a particularly long life. Um, Did he have favor in the eyes of God and man? Yes, but there are also a lot of people who hated Jesus, (laughs) right? A lot of people who hated him. And so if that can all happen to Jesus, even though he followed Proverbs, uh, you know, faithfully, we know that it can happen to anyone who follows him, including you, right? We've seen that in history. And guess what? It's going to continue to happen and be that way um, until uh, Jesus returns. So the blessing that we're going to focus on today is found in verse 6. You can go there. Proverbs 3, verse 6. He will make straight your paths. So that's what we're talking about, right? When you have a decision, an important choice that you have to make, and you just don't know, is it path A or path B? You don't know. And he says, he will make your path straight. He will give you wisdom to know. Now, we would all prefer to make the right decisions in our lives, the straight paths. Um, let's take a step back. What is at least in the Jewish mind, what, what, when the author wrote this, a straight path, what was he trying to convey, right? Remember, this is about a thousand years before the time of Christ and then leading up to, as people are reading the Proverbs, you know, up during that time, many of the roads at that time could often be very rocky, very narrow, unstable, slippery, hazardous, unsheltered, uh, not to mention you have the threat of bandits, criminals, Um, who could do harm and even kill you. Not to mention bad weather. It could either be too cold or too hot. 
Again, there's no electricity. So now time and darkness becomes a factor as you're trying to figure out like your path. You don't want to be stuck out in the middle of nowhere when it's completely dark, right? You're an easy target for wild animals. So travel on those paths at that time was dangerous and exhausting as you're trying to constantly make sure you don't trip or you don't break a wheel on a stone or some deep pit. You know, they didn't have Caltran back then, right? You got to watch out for all of these hazards. So in those times, it was much harder also and more expensive to move really big objects. So if you got a big object standing in your way, you know what you got to do? Now you got to make the path go this way. And so it was just harder to, to make a straight path. You had these winding paths. You had these rocky, dangerous paths. And for travelers um, back then, it just made everything longer, more hazardous. If you think about it today, it's like, you know, when you're reserving a, an airplane, you know, reservation, um, and you try to avoid what? All the layovers, <laughs> right? You just want what? A straight path <laughs> to your destination. You don't want to go from San Jose to Arizona to Tennessee to LA, right? Even though it costs $20. It doesn't matter. It's not worth it. So... When the Bible says that uh, there's a straight path, it's referring to this overall better, smoother, just faster road with less exposure to hazards and bandits and elements. So in other words, it's the straight right path. So that's what when back then when someone would read Proverbs and this verse, they would say, okay, that makes sense. If I trust in the Lord with all my heart and all those things we'll talk about um, he will make our path straight. No layovers. I like that, right? Now, all of those things that I mentioned um, about the bad road, they can be metaphors for our life today, the hard things in our life today, right? Um, there are things like disease. We're dealing with that. Pandemics, right? Injustice. We're dealing with that. Poverty. We're dealing with that. Accidents. Just Accidents happen, right? People get hurt. Unforgiveness, hate. These are all hazards that we encounter as we're journeying through life on our paths, right? Whether we invite them or not. Sometimes by our actions, we invite, you know, tragedy or something horrible or something bad by a foolish decision. We see that all the time, right? Um, but sometimes it just happens like bad weather. It's out of your control. So either way, as we go through life, there are things that uh, threaten us and harm us and just make our life and our journey more difficult than we would like them to be. And so when the Bible, you know, life is hard enough when the Bible offers you some wisdom on how to make a straight path, maybe we should listen, right? Why make our life harder than it needs to be? Amen? So uh, the, Jew, the Jewish mind, the Jews, uh, they, uh, all of this idea of straight path, uh, they have a word for it, it's yashar. And we can put that up. And that's going to be important for us to know. I don't know if uh, it's showing up. I think it is at home. But yashar straight, smooth, just right, 
okay? So, how do we find this straight path? Um, I'm gonna talk about both the spiritual um, ways, the pr- spiritual principles that lead to the straight path, and then at the end, hopefully, I'll get to uh, talk a little bit of practical, hypothetical run-through on how to practice this wisdom, okay? Sound good? Um, so spiritually speaking, first, we look at verse five, and the first thing that we have to do if we want to access the wisdom that'll give us a straight path, first thing you have to do is you, we have to learn to trust God. We have to trust Yahweh. Um, it actually uses the word capital L-O-R-D, which as you, you know, may or may not know, um, is actually a reference to his personal name, Yahweh. God wants you to trust in him. And he says, trust in him personally with all your heart. What does that mean to trust with all your heart? It's one thing to trust somebody, to trust with all your heart. What if somebody asks you, could you trust me? Yeah, sure. Can you trust me with all your heart? Wow, okay, what does that mean? What do you mean by that, right? It's a little different. Why is that here inspired um, in God's word? Well, when we hear the word heart, you and I at least here in the 21st century, we often think of emotions and feelings, right? And that's fine. God created those things. He gave those things to us. But actually, the Hebrew word in these verses is the word lab, which is actually different from a lot of times what we think of as heart, okay? It's a little confusing. Lab actually refers to a person's will. It's the seat of his will, the seat of his desires. So it's not technically referring to someone's emotions, as we might think here in the 21st century when we see the word heart, but rather the word here is referring to the seat of your will, the seat of intent. So what is it saying here? It's saying trust in God. And again, it's not just a generic God, but the personal name. Put your trust in him and do it with the entirety, the entirety of the seat of your will. I want you to like even visualize that. When God is saying to trust him, he's not just saying, hey, trust me. He's saying, trust me with the entirety of your desire. The entire, make me the center, the target, the goal, the thing that would make you just happy, the goal. And that is what he's saying, to trust, to trust him in that way. Target Yahweh as the main aim and desire of your inner man. I don't know if uh, the slide, there it is. Okay, next, the word trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. The word trust there is actually in the imperative. Now what that means is it's a command. So interestingly, it's not, God is not saying here, if if you want a, a straight path, he's not saying maybe you should trust me or maybe you should think about it. Can I just suggest? No, he's saying imperative. He put it in the imperative, trust. Whoa, what are the implications of that? Number one, it means that he's going to deliver. Amen? He will not fail your trust. And that's why he tells you to do it. He commands us to trust him. Number two, it means that we're not just supposed to be passive in our faith. I think it's very easy for us, especially the longer we are in our Christian faith, to kind of just get passive. 
Like God is sovereign. Yes, true. No one's denying that. But then we kind of get lazy. I mean, let's just be honest. We're human beings and sometimes we just, yeah, God's sovereign, so he's going to take care of it all. And, and we just get lazy. That is not what we see here, is it? It's an imperative. It's active. You have a role when it comes to your faith. You have an active responsibility when it comes to putting, actively putting your faith in God. And again, with the entirety of the seat of your will and desires. I mean, that's, that's pretty active. It doesn't sound passive to me, right? And so we need to understand this and we need to remember this, especially this comes into play when it just gets hard to trust in God, right? Let's be honest. There are times where it gets hard to trust in God. And so God, out of his love for you, out of his steadfast, abundant grace for you, he's saying, don't give up. Command. He's like a coach. Trust. Trust. Be active. Don't just be passive. Okay? Yes, God does do things. I'm not saying he doesn't. But he's also given us an active role to trust him. Next, the scripture tells us to lean not on your own understanding. Okay? Lean not in your own understanding if you're reading along with me in, in Proverbs 3. What does that mean? Well, when we lean on something, what are we doing? Right? I mean, you're seeing me lean on this. Let me tell you something. If this were not something that I could look at and say, ah, I think it's something that could support my weight, I would not lean on it. In other words, we come back to what? Trust. If you see a, a dirty, rusted out pair of crutches thrown by some dumpster somewhere, <laughs> Would you go and lean on those crutches? No, why not? Because you don't trust that those crutches will support you. In the same way, brothers and sisters, we are being instructed not to lean on our own understanding. Why? Because just like those old rusty crutches, the quality of our limited finite understanding is such that it cannot support it cannot support you correctly. So God in his love is saying, don't lean on that. It's going to break. Rather, implicitly, he's saying, lean on me. And, you know, in the verse before, trust in me. Trust in my understanding. Now, what is this word understanding? We're supposed to lean not on our own understanding, but lean on his, Right? What is that referring to? Again, the, in the Jewish mind, understanding refers to um, the ability to like look at the world or look at some event and then formulate some kind of framework by which you can understand it so that you can make sense of it. You look at something and you go, ah, I understand why this is happening or how it's happening and what could happen as a result, right? It makes some kind of, you're able to make sense of it. That's what we do with this Jewish idea of understanding. Not just, and, and it's not just to make sense of it or not just to grasp it, but it's also to be able to then do something productive with your understanding of this given you know, event or whatever, right? So currently we have this global pandemic going on. We have these national protests going on. These two things are prompting people everywhere to ask some really good questions. And there's some good wisdom that's being shared, 
But unfortunately, it's also mixed in with a whole lot of bad, just bad, illogical rhetoric and bad advice. And where's that coming from? That's coming from world-guided understanding and grasp. It's from the world, this understanding. And from this understanding that comes from the world, they look at the things going on and then they have, they posit some sort of, this is what we should do or this is what's happening. Again, some of it's true, but some of it's just completely wrong. Fantasy land, not based in actual facts. And so, this actually, this is really cool. This actually grieves God's heart. When he sees us trying to, you know, look at something and then try to make sense of it, and we just come to the wrong conclusion. This grieves God's heart. It's one of the reasons when Jesus, he looked at the crowds, and, and he looked at how just confused and, and harried they were. What did he do? He was filled with compassion and he wept. I believe God is weeping right now. And you and I as a church of God should also be weeping and be filled with compassion as the world is grasping at straws, trying to make sense of it all. And so you, you as an adopted child of God, you are called to view things differently. You are called to view things through a different lens. The lens of the wisdom and understanding that your father is looking through. Look through his eyes. Look with the father's eyes, Yahweh's eyes, his understanding. He's offering that to us freely. And in that way, we can get a grasp of what's going on, not just with the pandemic, not just with the protests, but with all the other social ills in our world. And then we can make enough sense of it. I'm not saying we're going to understand everything about everything, but enough sense of it to where we can see things from God's mindset, and then we ourselves can be a practical channel of God's grace and solution to our neighbors for our neighbors. But only if you and I make the conscious decision to no longer put our central trust in ourselves and in the wisdom of the world. Rather, to lean wholeheartedly on the understanding of Yahweh, your father who loves you and gave his only son to adopt you. Why settle for anything less when you can lean on the all-grasping wisdom of God? Moving on, what else do our verses today say that we need to know in order to you know, have these good straight paths for our life? The last bit of advice uh, here in verse six, at least, is in all your ways, acknowledge him. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. Acknowledge is translated again from the Hebrew word yada, okay, yada or yada. Know and, and, and it's not, this word, Yada is it's not just to know like, you know, cognitive knowledge. Um, when you look at how it's been used throughout the Old Testament, um, it actually carries a sense of knowing intimately. Knowing intimately, deeply. This is relevant here for us because there's a difference between us uh, just knowing God and knowing Him intimately. Think about this. When someone acknowledges you, it's not only about them knowing facts like your name, right? Do they know you just because they know your name? 
Do we know God just because we know his name? Maybe, maybe not, right? It's not a good indicator at least. It's not only because they acknowledge that you exist. I mean, we have like five people here. I'm acknowledging that they exist. But am I really acknowledging in an intimate way? And that's what yara means. That's the word that's being used here in Proverbs 3. So when you feel acknowledged by someone, you know that they truly see you, right? When you are acknowledged by someone, you know that they can see your worth. You know that they value you. When I acknowledge someone, I want them to know that I see them and I know them and their intrinsic value as you know, Andy or Kathy or Sonny or James or Ted or you know, William or Susang or Jeremiah. Guess what? God desires such an intimate covenant relationship with us where we can intimately know him. And here's one of the side benefits of that. I mean, that in itself is the gold, but here's a, the more intimately you get to know a person, what happens? The more you get to know how they think, right? The more intimately you get to know Yahweh, the more intimately you get to know how he thinks. That is amazing. This is what happens when we know God in all of our ways, his presence, his glory. And it says to acknowledge him in all of your ways. That means every aspect of your life. We like to hold certain things back from God, right? Maybe it's our romantic life. Some girl or guy who's so pretty or so rich, but they're not a believer. And so we, God, would you show me wisdom and give me a straight path in my finances and in my career? But don't, don't touch this area. That's, that's, that's off limits for you. That's just for me. It doesn't say acknowledge him in the areas that you pick. It doesn't say acknowledge him in some areas. It says acknowledge him in all your ways. All of your ways. Intimately, in your finances, your vocation, your relationships, in your emotions, in your desires, your dreams, your ambitions that you have for your life, acknowledge God in those things. And then he will make your path straight. What a blessing. You receive not only Yahweh, which is enough, but he's so gracious, he gives you all the benefits of being in his family by seeking Yahweh first. Sounds a bit like Matthew 6, doesn't it? And that's not by accident. Uh, Jesus is the wisdom of God through which all things were created. So to this point, we've looked at what it means to, number one, trust in the Lord with all your heart, Right? Number two, to lean, not on your understanding, but on the understanding of God. And number three, acknowledge him, know him intimately in all of your ways. And then here comes the good, smooth, straight path for our lives. So let's give a practical illustration of how all this kind of works together. Um, just so you know, before I do, FYI, uh, when I do this, 
you know, personally with somebody, I sit down with them, I talk with them. Usually the whole thing, I mean, not the whole thing, but this particular portion that I'm going to go over next, it'll take like 30, 40, 50 minutes. So obviously we don't have that time. Uh, but I'm going to go through it just so at least you know. And then afterwards, if you have questions, you can email me, call me. Um, don't email me, call me this later this week because it's 4th of July weekend um, and I'll be out of town. But um, just letting you know, okay, I'm giving a little taste, but um, if you have questions, uh, definitely want to be here to be able to help you with this. Okay, so let's think of just some hypothetical decision, all right, um, as we're thinking about trusting, leaning, and acknowledging him in all your ways. Um, say you're trying to decide between two different job offers or maybe two different college choices. Um, our sister Kathy, she had to decide between two very prestigious, you know, um, grad school choices. Maybe you're trying to decide right now if the person you're seeing is a person that you need to marry. Whew, right? So these are some hugely momentous life decisions. So how do we get to the straight path? All right, when it comes to hard discern, you know, hard to discern decisions, I know maybe if you're like me, don't you sometimes find yourself wishing, man, I wish I could just look into the future, right? And that way I could know which path is better, right? If I did this, this is what'll happen. If I did this, that's what'll happen. Um, anyone relate, you know, right? In my younger days, one of my favorite books to read was Choose Your Own Adventure. And so if you don't know what that is, it's like you read a book and then at the end of a chapter or whatever, it says, if you decide you wanna go with the rabbit, you know, and follow him down the hole, turn to page, you know, 32. If you don't want to, turn to page 43. And then literally you could do that and then it's a totally different path. I love those books. And you know what I also loved about those books? You could cheat. You could look to the end and see, do I want, I don't want that, right? And so you go back to, those of you who are maybe, you know, you hate books, you love video games, right? It's the same thing with video games. I do that too, right? Where you get to a point in the game where it's a big decision. And so what do you do? You save the game, right? Before you fight the big boss or whatever, right? You save the game so that if something bad happens next, what can you do? Boop, just hit the race reset button and you go back to that decision point and then you can try all over again or try something different that you like better, that suits your taste better. That's basically the same thing as us wanting to try to see into the future so that we can determine our path in the present. So unrealistic, right? But here's how God blesses us. Though you and I can't see into the future, Yahweh has already done so. And all you need to do is inquire of the Lord. That phrase, inquire of the Lord, it's all throughout the Bible. Um, I want you to look at this promise in James chapter 1. Um, is that going to be on the screens at home? Okay, there we go, right? Um, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask, right? And God will give it to you generously without finding reproach. If you lack wisdom, all you need to do is what? Ask. And then what? Is he going to give sparingly? No, it says he's going to give generously. And then is he going to say, well, you know, last time you asked for my wisdom and you didn't heed it, so that kind of, you know, made me hurt and I don't really want to give you more wisdom anymore because you don't really listen to it anyway. We all have those friends, right? right? <laughs> Sometimes we're like that too, right? But what does he say? I'm going to give it to you without reproach. How, how gracious and generous and merciful and that, doesn't that show you how much God loves you? 
And like the father telling the son in the beginning, he just wants what's best. So he gives you the wisdom. You can literally hit the reset button. Even better because it's God's wisdom. It's not some book or some child's book or some child's video game. He's literally saying, if you lack wisdom, all you got to do is ask and I'll give it to you. But what, you, what do you have to do when you ask for this faith? And this goes back to trust, right? Everybody read verse six together. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. When you ask, don't doubt. Trust him. You need wisdom? Don't doubt. Ask him for wisdom and he will give it to you. And you only need faith. You know, some of you might be like, my faith is really small. That's okay. Jesus says you only need faith the size of a mustard seed. How good is he? Amen? So all throughout the Bible, we see people, you know, either enjoying God's favor or not based on this simple metric. They inquired of the Lord or they did not inquire of the Lord. So what does it look like to inquire of the Lord with all these things? Number one, first and foremost, he already, God already revealed his wisdom to us for you through his inspired word, the Bible. So what do you do when you have this choice, uh, this college or this college uh, um, and that area or this girl to marry or, or not to marry or, or this guy to marry or this guy not to marry? Okay, here's the first thing that you can do. You view both paths, both choices through the lens of the Bible, God's wisdom. And then honestly, okay, honestly assess does this path, how does this path align with or veer away from the overall principles and spirit and plans revealed to us in God's word, okay? I'm not talking about some obscure passage that you're gonna find, oh yeah, it says not to mix, you know, linen and con or whatever, poly, so since, yeah, I'm not, no. The overall spirit, the overall witness of God's word, does this path align or veer away and in what ways? And then you compare it to, you do the same thing with the other path. And now you have a pretty good idea of like, well, if I do this, here's how it aligns with God's already revealed wisdom. And if I do this, here's how it maybe won't. And both paths might have pros and cons. And you have to consider and think, okay? Now, sometimes um, we may not like the answer, Right? But you don't need to like it <laughs> because you're asking God for his wisdom. If you wanted to depend on your wisdom, why are you asking God in the first place? Don't bother him. He's busy. Right? <laughs> you don't need to like God's answer. You need to know this, okay? And then compare, all right? Now, and, and be honest about it. The second thing that you can do when you inquire of the Lord is to have a conversation with him. In other words, prayer. And remember, prayer, like a conversation, is not a one-way road. Well, at least not you know, a healthy conversation, right? So don't just, when you pray, don't just tell God all your requests and then hang up on him. 
Stay on the line and ask him for his thoughts. How funny is it that we talk to him asking for his wisdom, give it to him, give it to me, give it to me, Lord. And then we never sit down to actually let him speak. We never actually just sit there and wait. It may seem like a strange thing, but often, literally, I have just sat there in my own prayers and said, okay, God, here's what I said, and now it's your turn. Would you lay on my mind and in my heart what you want to say? Now, does that mean he's going to give me an audible word? That's, that's a different thing, okay? God has already laid on your mind the Bible. He's already given us the wisdom. And so what will often happen is when I say, God, speak to me, he'll give me some scripture that I've read before. Maybe it was like in junior high when I was listening to a sermon of the youth pastor that I was just like, ah, oh, I didn't, but somehow it just, you know, gets recalled to memory. Or maybe it's a Bible study, or maybe it's a sermon that I heard on, whatever, right? But it's all something from the word. You can't lose with God's word. You can't get lost with God's word. And so when you pray, let him speak to you according to his word. John 14, chapter uh, 14 of the Gospel of John, Jesus says this, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, which we live in the age where he's already been sent, he will teach you all things and he will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. He will bring to remembrance whatever you need to know. And he says, not as the world gives do I give to you. I'm going to give my solid understanding to you, not the world's understanding. So do not be troubled. Do not be afraid, it says in John 14. So, um, when we do that, when we pray, another thing, when you listen and you, you do that, if you happen to hear something or, or get a hunch, like a, like a little instinct or desire to do something, but it's contradictory to what the scripture says already, then you need to just throw that away, okay? That is not from, the God, from, uh, from God because he does not um, contradict himself. And, um, you know, we, we, that kind of puts a control on, you know, people, the possibility of people going around, hey, you know, I prayed and God said that you're supposed to be my wife and you're supposed to be my wife, and, but we've had that happen. And unfortunately, people who are not um, versed in the Bible just kind of believed it and went along with it because they didn't bother to test. Is that actually true? So go to the last book of Revelation and you'll see the dangers of that. The third thing to do when you inquire the Lord is to rely on your church. Again, the condition being so long as your church that you're going to is faithful. Okay, that's it's hopefully a given. God says that if you're a genuine Christian, you are not by yourself. Uh, Christian author Henry Blackaby, he said this in his uh, book, Experiencing God. Where I see God working in the church, I adjust and put my life there. I let God use me in any way he chooses for the purpose of completing his work. You can depend on God to speak through other believers in the church to help you know what assignment you are to carry out in the ministry of his kingdom. You can get wisdom of Christ through the church of Christ. All right. Um, I'm going to move down here. These are the basics of inquiring of the Lord. Now, let's say you do all of that. You look at the word, you kind of compare it to the word, you pray, and then you talk to, you know, your small group and your pastors. Sometimes after doing that, 
it's pretty clear what your straight path is, okay? Now it's just a matter, now you know, now it's just a matter of are you going to follow it? That's a whole different, you know, thing. <laughs> it's a whole different sermon. But at least now you know, and that's what we're talking about, the wisdom to know the straight paths, right? So sometimes though, after doing all that stuff, you still don't really know. Guess what? That's okay. That's okay. Don't get frustrated. Because you know what that means? That means you can go with either choice. And we see this in the Bible. Remember how the disciples replaced Judas Iscariot? They prayed, and then they cast lots. Don't you think if one of them, the choices was like, ah, you know, I'm going to do what Judas did. I loved what he did. He was great. <laughs> They'd be like, no, I don't think, we'll call you. <laughs> don't call us, right? We'll call you. But no, they had these choices, and like, well, they look both good. So let's cast lots. And so they chose Matthias, right? So that's okay. There are, in fact, probably more times where this is going to happen in your life than when you get like a clear answer. I know it's been my experience that way. And I think this is where we get back to the issue of trust. Is it really trust if you know everything? Or is it the quality of that trust more intimate and bold and real when you don't know everything and yet you still say, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. I think in some ways that trust is more glorious. It's harder. Don't get me wrong, it's harder. I know that but it leads to more joy and excitement and glory. It really does. I'm going to close. What if you feel like you've heard this you know, message today and you're like, okay, that's good, but I don't know that I can do that. Or maybe you're like, Pastor, um, you don't know my life. You're talking about straight paths, like all I've ever done is not straight paths. I've made mistake after mistake after mistake, jumped into relationship after relationship, done this and done that. In my path, it's not straight, it's windy. It's screwed up. I think I'm too far gone. And I wanna tell you, God says, no, you're not. No, you are not. This is a really cool thing here that um, as I was studying this passage and looking at some, this passage reminded me of what John the Baptist said. A voice in the desert crying out, right? That makes straight the way of the Lord. Do you know John the Baptist, when he was saying that, he was talking about the messianic prophecy of Isaiah. 700 years before that. Isaiah was using the same exact language saying when he was talking about, the, he was giving a call to um, God's people to come back to God. And do you know what he said? He said, make straight the way of the Lord. 
make straight the path for the Lord, a highway for God. And guess what? This is really cool. The wording that Isaiah uses is the exact same words that we find in Proverbs 3. What's the point? The point is this. In Proverbs, who's making the path straight? It's God. God says, I will make your path straight. And so when Isaiah talks about that, and then John picks it up 700 years later, and then he says, behold, Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin. You and I have been given this incredible gift that we get to walk in the way of the Lord. And back then, when they were saying, you know, when they would uh, have a king visit the city, this is what they would say, make straight the way of the Lord, for the Lord, for the king. You know what Proverbs is telling you? that you can join the royal procession. You can walk with the king on his path. You a sinner. You, the person who thinks that you're too far gone. You, the person who thinks that your, your ditches are too low and your path has been, your past has been too crooked. Look what it says here. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. Your rough ground shall become level. The rugged places will be a plain. God is going to make straight path for you. And how is this fulfilled? In Christ, as John the Baptist says. The Lamb of God who takes away not the world, not only the sin of the world, but also your sin. And he makes straight your path. And you get to walk on the path of the king. Remember that heavy machinery that you know, they didn't have back then to move the trees so that they could make... Guess what? Jesus did all the work and removed all the obstacles and he lowered all the valleys and he raised all the, all, and he, he made the, the rough patches smooth so that you could walk in the way of the king with him. Thanks be to God. What grace. You are his child and all you need to do is trust in him with everything. And he has already made your path straight through Christ. Do you believe? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that in times of turmoil and confusion, especially like today, these days, you have given us a pathway and an understanding so that we cannot be overwhelmed and confused by all that's going on, Lord. Certainly these things are sad and bad, but Lord, we have hope. It's not hopeless, and so we thank you. And we thank you that we have a way to access your wisdom, the wisdom with which you created the world. You designed the world and then you executed it. With what? Your wisdom. And then how did you do that, Lord? through the Son who became incarnate and came down and he lowered the hills so that we tired people wouldn't have to climb them. He 
filled up the valleys so that we tired, sinful, broken people could walk through it. You smoothed out the rough roads for us. But you smoothed it out, you smoothed it out for the king, the, yourself. And you invited us to walk on this path with you, to walk in the way of the king as your children, as your people, under your banner. Thank you, Jesus, for making this path. Thank you, Jesus, for being the way, the truth, and the life. May we trust you with all our heart.